Hey, this is Chad Eddy with Semp Health Podcast. Today's episode, I'm going to be sharing a story with you. It's story time. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the following story. I didn't originally want to be a youth pastor. My first semester of Bible college, I didn't know what I wanted. I basically I just I just wanted to get grounded and rooted in the gospel. That's all. You know, I'd been to the Bible college in Saskatchewan. I lived in BC at the time. I'd been to the Bible college in Saskatchewan. Um the February of my grade 12 year and I heard a uh sermon. That's that's really when I I really turned my life over to Jesus. I'd been a Christian for years up to that point, but um that's when I really turned my life over to Jesus. And uh and I heard the pastor talk about um about the trees in Saskatchewan versus the trees in BC. It really piqued my interest because I was from BC and I was in Saskatchewan. So what what's the difference between a tree in Saskatchewan and a tree in BC? Well, a tree in BC has a lot of other trees around it. So yeah, they grow in these lush forests and they're majestic trees and they're wonderful. Um trees in Saskatchewan don't have a lot of trees necessarily uh, around them, so uh, they they grow, but they're they're not as maybe majestic. However, if you take a tree from BC and you transplant it in Saskatchewan, it will not last. The reason is because a tree in Saskatchewan needs to develop a huge root system in order to grow, whereas a tree in BC has the support of the other trees around it, so it doesn't need as big of a hu- root as of a root system. So. A tree in BC doesn't have as big of a root system as a tree in Saskatchewan. So when the wind, the Saskatchewan wind comes along, it'll knock that BC tree over. Um, and so, yeah, when, when the pastor shared that analogy with me, I was like, I need to get rooted. I need to build a strong root system in the gospel and in this faith that I'm professing in a way that is more meaningful to me than it's ever been before in my life. So... I went to Bible college not to become anything, not to uh, get a degree in anything or to um, advance a career because I I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just um, went to Bible college to get rooted, to get grounded in the gospel. But uh, I tried youth ministry. I was invited to be part of a ministry team at Bible college that went to a youth group in Carrobert, Saskatchewan, and ministered to that youth group, led that youth group. I really, really didn't like it. I didn't at all. I mean, there was, the, the people that I went with, they were all right. Um, but the youth ministry itself, <laughs> I really didn't like it. And so I went back to Langley, went back to my hometown uh, after that semester. And uh, I just did one semester there. And I was like, yeah, youth ministry is not for me. Not at all. So um, it was it was low on my list of things I wanted to do until Jordan invited me to join his church's youth ministry team called Underage. It was um, it was in community where I found my calling. It was in community where I found my calling in this youth ministry team. And within a few months, I was both leading the Underage team and I was discipling youth, as well as leading Bible studies for adults who were new to Christianity. And when I got the opportunity to travel on a youth missions team to Mexico, 
I experienced a new kind of calling to church planting. I dedicated my life to Christian ministry with the aim to plant a church in Canada. That was my goal. (laughs) With that in mind, I started attending a newer church plant where I became the de facto youth leader. And there I grew in my leadership and in my calling for two years. I was a young man. I was trying to spread my wings. I was trying to figure out how to fly. And I was with this smaller, smaller, smallish church plant for two years. Later, I moved to Manitoba to marry my wife. And I got a job in door-to-door sales. But what I really wanted at that point was to do youth ministry. So... Um, I quit my, my door-to-door job and I was hired as a part-time youth pastor at a small Baptist church. And I thrived in that position for two years until I outgrew it. We, we just simply couldn't afford for me to continue in that position. I tried all kinds of things to, to stay in that position, but it was not, it was a matter of, we just can't afford this. So I... I outgrew it and moved back to BC for a full-time associate pastor role. It was it was there at that at that church, the the church in BC at my associate pastor role, for after two and a half years that things began to unravel for me. Because although outwardly things were going well, particularly in our youth ministry, there was a lot of cool things happening, a lot of really great things happening. Um, kids were getting saved, and. Uh, kids were reaching out and, and growing in their faith and and having these life-changing experiences and um, and serving others and and we were doing some cool things I might go into some of the things that we did in other podcast episodes maybe I'll have even some some people that were there as guests that would be really cool um, so even even though outwardly things were going well, particularly in the youth ministry, I still lacked character to hold me up under pressure. There were things that were going on in my private life that were not congruent with my calling, with my passion even. And there was a lack of integrity. Integrity is wholeness. And we talked about that, or we will talk about that in the... Um, the look at the Gay Hendricks book, The Big Leap, that you'll find in other episodes of this podcast. Um, but there was an integrity breach, and I lacked character to hold me up under pressure. And, and the pressure was was coming. The pressure came. Two board members, uh, elders, did not want me to remain in my position. One of them had a personal gripe against me. And the other one thought that he should have been hired as the associate pastor. The college and career group was poisoned against me. There were people in there that were actively trying to sully my name, destroy my reputation. There was a lot of slander happening within that group. Um, and and a, there was a faction that wanted me out, that wanted me gone out of the church. And they turned the senior pastor against me, and then the other two elders agreed with them to request my resignation. 
After a struggle, I complied. I read my letter of resignation to a stunned congregation and my ministry there, as well as our relationships there at that church, were over. Now, I don't know if you know this, but a pastor of a church is in a very strange situation because a church family is, is actually a family. It, it can be in many ways, and, and it was in many ways, closer to the pastor than their actual family. Um, and so when a pastor is asked to leave, it's like kicking a, a kid out or kicking a member of your family out. And, uh, and our relationships there suffered and our, my ministry obviously was over and it was a very, very difficult time to, to, to top it off. Well, there are a couple of other things. One is that we were also asked to leave the suite, the basement suite that we were renting. Um, it wasn't really related to leaving the church. We could have remained there except that just the timing. The timing was bad. The, the owner, uh, his daughter needed a place to live and um, she came first before before his tenants did, before we did. So at the same time as we were asked to leave the church, we were asked to leave our house, our home. And uh, to top all that off, we were expecting our first child within weeks. So um, we did find a temporary rental. Uh, we had our first child and we were trying to figure out what our next move was. I, I had a, um, I had a, <laughs> what's it called? I had a, um, <laughs> I had three months of pay. Okay, let's put it there. Uh, and so we had three months basically to figure out, okay, what's the next, next chapter in our life going to be? Which is, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, how can you figure out your next chapter in life in three months? So, but there was pressure. There, we were under the pressure. Um, I, I found some comfort in the support of some of my ministry contacts that I had. Um, and, and one happened to be looking for a youth pastor at his church. So I had some friends in the ministry. I had some pastors, other pastors that I knew was building relationships with who, and one of these guys uh, was a senior pastor at a church, pretty, pretty new to that role. And he was looking for a youth pastor to work with him. And I admired him. I respected him. And, um, and I thought, oh, that'd be a really great place to go. So after a couple of months of wondering if this was the right fit for me, we jumped in and it wasn't the right fit for me. I mean, the, the church was great. We enjoyed the preaching and the vision and the staff team. It had a team of staff. Um, we enjoyed the skill of Sunday morning production, AKA the worship. Uh, the youth ministry wasn't doing great and needed an injection of energy and life, but I brought neither. I pretty much phoned it in there. I, I ran programs. I tried to do what was expected. I just discipled a few kids. I developed some relationships. But what I grew passionate about was preaching and leading people into an experience and an encounter with God. Youth ministry, as I saw it, was simply a means to an end. And so I ultimately faltered. My friend, the senior pastor, told me that I no longer had a job there.
after two years. And that was tough. The second church to, de- to deny my call to ministry. That hurt. That hurt a lot. It hurt my pride. It hurt my um, confidence. <laughs> well, my confidence in a lot of levels. Uh, my confidence in, in hearing the voice of God because I thought God had led us there and I thought God had a place for me and I thought that things were going well and God was working through me and I thought that God would take care of anything that wasn't going well and so it, it ruined my confidence in, in God it ruined my confidence in myself my ability to hear God and in, in just my skills and my, my myself in general uh, if you've ever been through a job loss I'm sure you can relate if you've been through a few job losses you can relate even more um, but I still had this vision from all those years before in Mexico to plant a church in Canada. So I convinced my wife that it was time. She wasn't really convinced. But I prayerfully chose the place, Aldergrove, BC. I set up a pre-launch schedule, called in some friends, some favors from friends that I knew to help plan a series of pre-launch services. We actually ran four or five once a month services. This was 10 years ago, so I can't remember if it was four or five. Like literally 10 years ago. Uh, our first pre-launch service was in October 2009. It's now October 31st, 2019. So this was 10 years ago, which is shocking. Um, before we realized that there was... Um, sorry, we, we ran four or five once a month services before we realized that there was no momentum. Nobody was coming. I mean, the people that I invited or are asked to help with getting things rolling were coming, but that's it. <laughs> Nobody else was coming. And the idea was that we were going to roll, roll out six of these pre-launch services and then we'd be, we'd launch as a church. And that wasn't happening. <laughs> uh, so this vision was unsustainable. I decided on another strategy. I was I was simply going to embody the gospel in my community and grow the church around me in that way. Well, a year and a half into that, and my family was suffering. I was working part-time at a brewery. Um, I got a couple of other jobs. I had a contract um, to, to facilitate workshops on employ- employment skills. Um, I did some driving, some delivery, some production equipment delivery, which didn't go well. Um, that's a whole other story. I, I did a couple of other things, but there was nothing, there was no consistency. So my family was suffering. We had four kids by then and I had no stable income. I had to get a job. Uh, we we found another church to attend because we needed that community we needed that we needed that <laughs> and two years later after all that we moved away from Aldergrove for good and I buried that dream of planting a church in Aldergrove in the ground 
nailing the casket shut. And I remember very specifically doing that intentionally, symbolically, um, specifically saying, okay, this is not, and, and the, the verse was guiding all this, unless, uh, seed dies it will bear no fruit and this was this was my dream dying and it was very very painful so why do i share all this with you the story is a painful story i've dealt with some of the pain but it's still there below the surface it doesn't make me angry or sad or upset just sort of more annoys me. I don't know if you could hear it in my voice, but it annoys me. I'm annoyed <laughs> when I think of this story. As so many aspects of the story. But this story doesn't encapsulate my story. My story isn't tragic. It isn't painful. It isn't annoying. There's so many elements to every great story. Even my favorite movies have parts of the story that I just want to skip over. I was going to say I want to fast forward forward through, but I don't know if it, people know what fast forwarding means anymore. <laughs> I just want to skip over some some scenes sometimes in movies because I'm like, oh, that's cringeworthy. You know, that's cringy. It's like, ah, uh, I don't I don't like that part. But. These are the parts where the hero's journey develops. The great story wouldn't be so great without some of these annoying, cringy kind of scenes. And my story is not fully written yet. Yes, this is a story from my life. I told I started out by saying to you, I, I want to, I want to tell you a story. It's a story, a story. And I've heard that every story is a gift. These trials, these experiences, these lessons, these challenges have been a gift to me and I share them here with you. And I also know the importance of moving forward with my eyes ahead. The windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror with good purpose. Yeah, the rearview mirror is important in some instances. It's there for a reason, right? But you don't move forward while looking back. Now, as I was writing that, you don't move forward while looking back, I realized, okay, that's kind of going against the premise of a book that I wrote, <laughs> which is called Remember the Gospel. And the, the, uh, the logo for Remember the, Remember the Gospel is an arrow going backward, an arrow going forward, and, and the tagline is moving forward in your Christian life by looking... No. <laughs> How does it go? I wrote this book and I, I, and I crafted this tagline and I can't even remember it. But anyways, it's moving forward by looking back. But it's not looking back at my story. It's looking back at what Jesus has done. You don't, look, you don't move forward in your story by, by constantly looking in the rear of your mirror. You don't look, move forward by looking back. You can glance back. And, and there are some lessons in this story that, that you need, I need to glance at every now and then to make sure that to make sure that I'm not going in a circle. You know what I mean? Like that whole adage that those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. And, and there are elements of this story, even, even what I just told you in the last 10 minutes, even what I just told you, 
there are elements that if if you look, you can see, okay, you made the same mistake a bunch of times, Chad. I mean, I can, I can see where you went wrong. Why did you keep on doing that thing? And yeah, I can, I can see it more clearly now. You know what? I still have blinders, so I can't maybe even see everything that you can see. That's the, that's the beauty of perspective. Each of us comes with our own perspective. And, and as we share that perspective with one another, all of us gain better clarity. But we don't, but so, so we need to, we need to see some elements of our story in order to not repeat them over and over and over again. But you don't move forward while looking back. That said, there are some lessons in this story, some of which I've learned the hard way and that I've, um, I've internalized some of the lessons I'm still learning. I'm still coming to grips with. And here's, here are a few lessons. First, make sure the fit is right. Make sure that the fit is right. Don't just jump into an opportunity because it's there. Opportunities are a dime a dozen. And it's hard sometimes when the pressure is on. Man, it's hard to see opportunities because, um, because of a limited mindset. I mean, a limited mindset is, is when you see a, a problem for every opportunity, right? And somebody says, well, you could do this. And you're like, yeah, but this might not. Oh, okay. But you could do this over here. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know about this. You know, you can see a problem for every opportunity. Uh, but an, an abundant mindset sees an opportunity for every problem. Opportunities are a dime a dozen. Opportunities are everywhere, are endless. You don't need to jump into something just because there's an opportunity. You need to make sure that the fit is right. And when I went to that second church, the fit wasn't right. And I hummed and hawed and I, uh, yeah, but, uh, but <laughs> I was thinking my, my severance, that's the word I was looking for before. My severance is coming to an end and I'm going to need an income. So I better take this because it's right here. Got to make sure that the fit is right. Okay. So that's my first lesson. Second of all, make sure that the time is right and don't rush into things and, and it's along the same lines but same thing with uh when i was when i left that other church and and i convinced my wife okay the time is right and she kind of kind of went along with it she knew that the time wasn't right and i learned to listen to her a little bit better through that <laughs> that's another lesson um but Make sure that the time is right. Don't just do things because that's what what springs to to the forefront right away. I mean, with that, there wasn't even an opportunity. We sort of, or I, I sort of pushed myself into an opportunity that wasn't there <laughs> instead of finding one that was. And then uh, another one is trust and risk. So... I, I mean, all these things go together, right? So I I had a problem with figuring out where to trust and where to risk. And, and not that those things are, are opposed. Because risking involves trusting. Risking involves trusting God. Uh, there's that scene in Indiana Jones. Um, and Indiana Jones, I think it's Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Where... I don't know if you if seen it or you've seen the clip it's pretty famous <laughs> where he's standing at the edge of this cliff 
and you know it's miles down miles deep this chasm and then he needs to get across the other the other side of the chasm and uh he doesn't know what to do but but he says that the step he, he reads a verse from the bible and says something about taking a step of faith and and so he he uh steps out off the edge of the cliff and his foot lands on solid ground and he realizes oh there's an illusion but there's a bridge here and actually i can just walk right across so um it's having that that faith but also but also there's there's so many other elements with that seeing the opportunity but also being wise having wise counsel um and the last the last lesson that i'm going to that i'm going to just pin, point out here because i'm still learning lessons from this i mean it, as i as i go through it and i need to every now and then you need to look in the rear of your mirror um is take care of your family and so take care of your family i mean i put my wife under tremendous pressure during that during our church planting time because i wasn't making a lot of money and i and i left her in charge of the finances I said, okay, here you go, honey. You figure out how we're going to pay all the bills while I'm pursuing this dream and I'm not making much money. And you take care of the kids and you figure out how we're going to pay all the bills and you, you've figured everything else out. I'm just going to chase this dream and bring in what I can. But my, my priority isn't taking care of things. My priority is this dream and you your priority my priority for you is to take care of things so that was that was wicked and cruel for me to do to her so take care of your family and then and then along with that um is take care of yourself my own semp health my own spiritual emotional mental and physical health suffered greatly during that time and i'm still living with the effects of that um and so take care of your stem health. So overall, overall guys, like I am I am optimistic about the future. And and I have I have sort of an unwavering optimism. I say unwavering. I mean it's taken me a while to get back to being optimistic. But um I sort of have this optimism, which is I think it's a blessing. Uh some people can look at it as uh, what's going on, Chad? Why can't you just be more realistic? Um because it's the optimism and the, the, Hey, everything's going to be just great. That kind of got me into some of these messes, but I do have optimism about the future. And I think that that's a good thing. Um, but I, I need to also learn these lessons I need to move forward with this stuff. I I also wanted to share this with you guys to, to share those lessons also, but also to let you know that if you, if you've been through disappointment, if you've been, if you felt like that anger or that just annoyance about parts of your story, people have been there. People have been through that as well. I mean, people don't always share things like this because it's annoying. I mean, it's annoying for me even to have written it down. It's annoying for me to have to live through it again. It's annoying for me to have to look at it over and over again. It's annoying for me to say, oh, I'm doing this again. My goodness. But you need to know that I've been there and other people have been there and you can lean on others and, and they, can, they can help walk you through 
those times in your life. They can give you some perspective that maybe you don't have. I have blinders. I still have blinders. I need some coaches and friends to help me with. You have blinders. There are things that you don't know that you don't know. That's what a blinder is. Things that you don't know that you don't know. That somebody can help you to see and to learn and to find out. Um, but also, you might just need somebody to hold you up. You just might need somebody to say, you know what? This, this isn't your story. This is a part of a greater story. But your story is so much greater than this. And Frodo <laughs> went through all kinds of annoying parts of his story. But those parts just make this, the greater story that much more grand and epic. I know that's a trigger word. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, makes the story worth telling. Know what I mean? So anyways, that's that's a story. That's part of my story. It's not all of my story. My story is still being written. It's still unraveling, unfolding. And I'd love for you to be part of it. You are part of it if you're listening to this. And um, I'd love to hear parts of your story. Why don't you Why don't you share parts of your story with me? You can You can write me. You can email me chadeddy at me dot com. That's m e me dot com. Um. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear parts of your story. And maybe some of what I said jives with what you're going through. Let's, uh, let's talk. Let's chat. I'm not inviting you to um, be a client. I'm inviting you to start a conversation. That's all. All right. So that's where I'm going to leave this. I'm out for today. And the next episode, I'm going to be going into Chapter 3B of The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. So talk to you then.